After everybody had given their machzis a shekel, either to the money changers in Yerushalayim, or to the money changers and the representatives of the city, and this had to be done during the month of Adar before Shchidosh Nisan. And once they'd all been collected, they'd bring all of the half shekels and place them in a certain chamber in the Beis Hamikdash, and that money was used for korbonus, as we'll learn later on in the Masechta, for which specific things it was used for. Be as it may, they wouldn't take all of the money at this point and spend it immediately on Karbonais and various other needs of the Besamikdash, because although all of these Shkolim had been given by Rosh Nisan, not all of them had arrived in Yerushalayim for the Besamikdash by Rosh Nisan. The faraway cities wouldn't have yet reached the Besamikdash to bring their Shkolim, and if they were to spend all of the Shkolim money now on the Karbonais, then it would emerge that those people who live very far away, their shkolim would not be used for the karbanos. Theirs would reach the Beis Hamikdash after the money had been spent on the Beis Hamikdash's needs. And although they would have fulfilled the mitzvah of shkolim, because they did give it before Rosh Nisan, nevertheless, in order that the shkolim of everybody be used for the Beis Hamikdash's needs, at three different occasions in the year, Terminus Alishka, they would take out money from the chamber in which the shkolim were kept. So what were these three occasions? Before it's Pesach, halfway through the preparation time before the Yom Tov of Pesach, as it is known that one is supposed to start preparing and learning about the laws of a Yom Tov 30 days before that Yom Tov begins. So halfway through that time, 15 days before Pesach, that is the first time where the Trumas Halishka took place. The second time was before at Ceres. 15 days before the Yom Tov of Shavuos, and the third one was Vreisachag, 15 days prior to the Yom Tov of Sukkot. So this way that would make sure that everybody's Shekolim would go towards the Beis HaMikdash's needs, and also they would start spending more during the lead-up to each Yom Tov, when more Karbonos and more of the Beis HaMikdash's needs were necessary. And the rest of the Mishnah concerns Meister Behemo, which is the obligation to separate one-tenth of one's animals and bring them as Karbonos, which he can then eat. Now, though when it comes to most tithes, most trimus and maestras, from produce which grows from the ground, it is forbidden to sell that before one has actually separated the tithes. As soon as the obligation to separate it has come about, one needs to do so before he sells it, and certainly before he eats it. However, the halacha is that when it comes to maestra behema, one is allowed to sell it, even once the animals are fitting to be separated as maestra behema, one can sell animals before he separates the maestra behema. However, most people did not do so. They wanted to make sure that they had separated the Maisa Behema already, and so most people would wait until they had separated the tithes before selling the animals. Now, since once one separates the Maisa Behema, he needs to bring those animals to Yerushalayim, they would often wait and not tithe it until, let's say, close to a Yom Tov when they were planning to go to Yerushalayim anyway. But because of that, most of the year, they wouldn't really sell their animals, because they hadn't yet separated Maisa Behema. However, this was a problem because people needed animals for Karbonais, and especially in the lead-up to Yom Tov, people needed these animals. So the Rabbanon fixed three times of the year, also during the lead-up to the Yom Tov, that one needs to separate the Maise Behema from his animals. Now, according to the first opinion, the Heini Gronis of the Maise Behema, those three occasions that we just mentioned for the Shkolim, for the Trumas Halishka, those exact same dates are for Maise Behema. That is when one has to separate the tithes from his animals. He has to make sure that he separated it by that date. That was the latest date, Div Rabbi Akiva. That is the opinion of Rabbi Akiva. Alright, second opinion, Ben Azai Umir Ben Azai says, and the first date of Ben Azai is the same as Rabbi Akiva. However, he says it in a slightly different way. He doesn't say 15 days before Pesach. Rather, he gives a fixed date, Esim Vesesh Ba'adar, on the 29th of Adar, the last day of Adar. So why does he change the way he says it from Rabbi Akiva? The answer is because Rabbi Akiva holds that the month of Adar sometimes has 29 days in the month, 
and sometimes it has 30 days in the month, just like most months. However, Ben Azlai of the opinion that the month of Adar always has 29 days and not 30 days. The 30th day is already the first day of Nisan. And so Rabbi Akiva isn't able to give a fixed date because sometimes 15 days before Pesach would be the 29th of Adar, sometimes it would be the 30th of Adar. However, according to Ben Azai, it is always the 29th of Adar, and therefore he gives a fixed date. The second occasion is of Echab Sivan, on the first day of Sivan, only a few days before Shavuos, not 15 days. The reason being that since the time between Pesach and Shavuos is quite short, they wanted to spread out more between the two times when the animals had to be tithed, and therefore it was done closer to the Yom Tov of Shavuos itself. Alright, and the third occasion was of Esim of on the 29th of the month of Av, the last day of that month, which was actually the day before Shredish Elul. And the reason for this is because it is forbidden to separate tithes from animals which were born in one year, together with the animals which were born in another year. If, let's say, 50 animals were born in one year, and 30 animals in the next year, so you can't just mix them all together and separate 8 out of the 80 animals randomly, rather you have to make sure that you separate 5 from the first year, and separately from that you separate 3 animals from those which are born in the second year. Now what exactly is considered the cutoff point? What's considered the beginning of the year when it comes to Maisa Behemoth? So Ben Azai is not sure. Ben Azai knows that it's either the Rosh Chodesh Elul or Rosh Chodesh Tishri. But be as it may, you definitely have to separate the tithes from the previous year before Elul starts to be safe, to make sure that you're separating all of the previous year's tithes before the new year begins. And therefore, Kuntuman Azai, the third time, the third occasion that Maisa Behemoth was separated was just before Shchidosh Elul. Alright, now the third opinion, Rabbi Lozra, Rabbi Shimon, I remember Rabbi Lozra and Shimon say, the first occasion is Be'echad Nisan, the first day of Nisan, not the 29th day of Adar, but rather the first day of Nisan, which is two weeks before Pesach. Because according to them, the preparation time, which one needs to start learning the laws about the Yom Tov, doesn't begin 30 days before the Yom Tov, in which case we take the halfway point, and so 15 days before Pesach, one needs to separate the Maise Behemoth. Rather, they are of the opinion that the whole preparation time is two weeks before the Yom Tov. And so they hold that the same goes for Maise Behemoth, that two weeks before the Yom Tov, the Maise Behemoth needs to be separated. And when it comes to Shavuos, they also agree with Ben Azai that we want to make it as close to the Yom Tov of Shavuos as possible. And so once again, Be'echon Sivan, that occasion is the first day of Sivan, even though that is less than two weeks before the Yom Tov. And the third date, we would think, should be two weeks before Sukkot, which would end up actually being the day of Rosh Hashanah itself. But the Mishnah says that it's actually the day before. But Esim Vesheshub Elul, it's the 29th of Elul, which is really the same opinion as Rabbi Akiva who said it needs, it needs to be brought 15 days before the Yom Tov. So why are Rabbi Lozan and Rabbi Shimon agreeing with Rabbi Akiva? Surely they need you to do it only two weeks before the Yom Tov. Asks the Mishnah, Why did Rabbi Lozan and Rabbi Shimon say that the time is the 29th of Elul? And they didn't say that the time is the 1st of Tishri, which is exactly two weeks before Sukkot. Answers the Mishnah, it's a technical problem, it makes you Yom Tov. Because two weeks before is the Yom Tov itself, Rosh Hashanah, and it is forbidden to separate Maisa Behemoth on Yom Tov. The reason being that the way they would separate Maisa Behemoth is that they would get every animal to pass through a gate or an entrance to the animal enclosure, and they would count ten animals, and on every tenth animal, they'd put some paint on the animal to mark that that was the tenth one. Now, that is forbidden on Yom Tov, just like it's forbidden to die and to paint things. That is also forbidden on Yom Tov. Therefore, they said that the date was actually earlier, the day before Yom Tov, on the 29th of Elul. Mr. Bates, now, how exactly would this process of Trumas Halishka, of separating and taking money out of this chamber full of Shkolem, 
How did that work? So b'shalish kupay shal shalish shalish se'in, using three baskets, each containing and being able to hold three se'ar, terminus halishka, they would empty out the chamber of the shkolim coins. They would place the coins into the baskets, v'chosu bohen, and it was written on the baskets, aleph base gimel, each one of the baskets had a sign for which one they filled up first. So the first one had a, the letter Aleph on it, the second one the letter base, and the third one the letter Gimel. The reason being that it was preferable for them to use the money which was emptied out first, and once they'd finished that basket, then they would move on to the next basket, and spend that on Bethlehem's needs, and then on to the third basket. Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Shmuel says, it wasn't written Aleph base Gimel, rather Yevonis Kosobohen, Greek letters were written on each basket, Alpha, Beta, Gamla, those are the first three letters in the Greek alphabet. The Gemara Megillah explains that this was part of the bracha, which Yefes, one of the sons of Noach, received, that his descendants, who are the Greeks, their language would end up being used in the Beit HaMikdosh. The second half of this Mishnah tells us that the person who was emptying out the money into these baskets had to make sure that nobody would suspect him of taking any of the money for himself. Although this was relatively a small amount of money, each coin itself was not worth very much, and he wouldn't really be able to hide that much. Nevertheless, when it comes to public money, money belonging to everybody else, money belonging to the Beis HaMikdash, one needs to make sure that there is absolutely no suspicion from other people that he is taking any of the money. And therefore the mission tells us that in Atom Nichnos, the person who is removing the money and placing it into the baskets cannot enter the chamber, with a cloak which has a hem at the bottom, meaning the bottom of the cloak is folded over a bit and sewn, because he could slip a coin or two into the hem and take it out with him and steal it. He cannot enter with shoes, with sandals, nor can he enter wearing tefillin in case he unstitches the tefillin and slips some coins or one coin into the tefillin, nor with an amulet, which is some sort of piece of parchment, with psukim or different phrases written on it, which certain people would wear around their neck its purpose was for healing, some sort of skula, and again one is able to fit a coin or two into that pouch. So he cannot do anything which arouses any sort of suspicion, Shemayani, in case a while later he becomes poor, the Yomru, and other people will start saying, He became poor because of the sin of stealing from the chamber. Or perhaps he might get wealthy later on, the Yomru, and people will say, he became wealthy from stealing from the Lishka, from the chamber of the Shkolem. Because a person needs to literally fulfill the obligation of people, meaning he needs to make sure that people understand that he's doing the right thing, just like he actually needs to do the right thing towards Hashem who knows exactly what he's doing. It's not enough that he does the right thing, and that Hashem knows that, it has to be that everybody else also knows that he is not sinning. Shalem, as the Posuk says, you need to be clean and innocent in front of Hashem and in front of the Jewish people. The Omer and the Pasuk also says, You should find favor and good sense in the eyes of Hashem and in the eyes of people. So you need to make sure that you don't do things which appear to be like you are sinning. Mishnah Gimel, the three baskets which were used for the Trumas Halishka, each could hold three Sa'ah, as we learned in the previous Mishnah. Now once all the baskets had been filled up, there were still some coins, usually, which were left behind and didn't quite make it into the baskets. So they weren't necessarily used for spending on the carbonus and the Besamekdash's needs. Now, that doesn't mean that those who gave those shikolim didn't fulfill their obligation, they definitely did. But at the end of the day, their shekel did not go towards the Besamekdash's needs. 
So the Mishnah records that Shalbeis and Gamliel, the members of the household of Rebbe Gamliel, wanted to make sure that their shkolim would definitely be used for the Beis Hamidrash's needs, and that it would definitely make it into the basket. So what would they do? One of the members would enter into the chamber itself, and he would have all of the half shekels of the household of Rebbe Gamliel, the shikleb in its of, and his half shkolim were between his fingers meaning he was holding them because he couldn't have a pocket or something. He couldn't hold the coin anywhere else because as we learned in the previous Mishnah, if he even enters with a gum with a pocket or something where he's able to hide a coin, that is forbidden. So he would hold it, the coin in his hand, the and throw it in front of the person who was emptying out the coins. And that person emptying it out would intentionally make sure to push that coin into the basket because he realized what Roman Gamliel was doing or what the member of Roman Gamliel's household was doing. And he indeed made sure that that coin would end up in the basket. But again, this was only a stringency of Roman Gamliel's household. This was not a necessary part to fulfill one's mitzvah. Now, Majabonon, when an act is done on behalf of the public, in many instances, the Rabbanon instituted that before doing it, he needs to ask the people who are present, should I do it? And they need to declare three times that he should do it. That gives significance to this act. It shows that he is doing it for others, for the whole public. And so too over here, in Atorim Torim, the person emptying out the coins into the baskets cannot begin doing so until he says to the people who are there, Esraim, should I empty out the coins into the baskets? And they, sell, they tell him, Tereim, Tereim, Tereim. Sholosh Pa'olim, they tell him to do it three times. And then he indeed goes through the process of the Trumas Halishka. They would do the first Trumas Halishka. As we saw a couple of Mishnahs ago, everybody agrees that is 15 days before Pesach. And after having done the first Trumas Halishka, they would cover any remaining coins which didn't make it into the baskets with leather covers. So that after that, when the next load of shkolim are added to the chamber, they'll be separate from the lower shkolim, and only those shkolim will be emptied out into the baskets. Shniyah, when it comes to the second Trumas Halishka, either 15 days before Shavuos, or Nerush Sivan, so they'd again go through that process of Trumas Halishka, and they would again put a leather cover over the remaining coins, and later on fill up the chamber with any new coins, which came from people who lived even farther away. And then Shlishis, they would do the third Trumas Halishka, after which they wouldn't cover it again with these leather, leather covers, because there's no point, because all of the Trumas Halishka had already been completed. Now, why exactly would he cover it with the leather coins? As we explained, in case he forgets and empties out the Shkolim, which were there already during the previous Trumas Halishka, which would be a problem, because the whole point of doing the three Trumas Halishka is in order that the second one be from the shkolim which only arrived later on, and the third one be from the shkolim which only arrived later on, after the Trumasalishka of the previous one. And that is why they would cover the remaining coins with this leather cover. And ends off the Mishnah, Torah sorry, Shainalish Eretz Yisrael. The first Trumasalishka was for the sake of those living in Eretz Yisrael. Now, of course, it was done for all of the Jewish people. The point is, he entered it out into the baskets, declaring that these are for the shkolim. These are from the Shkolim which came from those living in Eretz Israel, but on behalf of everybody. Ushnia, the second Trumas Halishka, was the Shum Krachem Kofinla, for the sake of the surrounding cities right outside of Eretz Israel, for example, Amon and Moav, the cities over there. So they were further away, they only arrived, their Shkolim only arrived later on, and the second Trumas Halishka was taken from their Shkolim, 
But again, on behalf of everybody, Bashlishis, and the third Shum Salishka, when he took it, he would declare that it is the Shum Bovel or Shum Modai. It's from the Shkolim of, which came from Bovel and from Modai or Shum Medinus or and from other faraway countries. But again, each time it would be on behalf of everybody, but from the Shkolim of those people.